and culture. Although we will naturally touch on ancient works like the Odyssey with its gods and its, its endless, endless encounters with strange and marvelous beings, we will focus on works from the beginning of the 19th century onward for three reasons. First, this is the beginning of a mass reading public, in a sense, in other words, our era. Second, this is the beginning of the segmentation of the publishing industry by markets, which makes it possible to look at different varieties of work and see to whom they're expected to appeal. Third, from this point on, we can use solid knowledge of each author's life and culture in understanding the texts. Although the theoretical frameworks that we will develop to discuss the fantastic often apply universally, we will discuss primarily works from Western culture because our familiarity with that culture allows us to probe its works most deeply. These lectures are distributed into two parts. The first part focuses on the broad range of fantastic literary genres, from fairy tales to magic realism. This isn't just a broad range historically, but a broad range generically. In fact, detective stories are, according to W.H. Auden, those works that indulge the fantasy that hidden guilt may be revealed. Many different genres are, to one extent or another, fantastic, and the fantastic develops through time. We'll develop a theoretical framework for understanding the significance of the fantastic in general, and look at specific works from a whole range of those fantastic genres. The second part of the course will focus on science fiction. Why? Because in our world, shaped as it is inevitably by the constant development of science and technology, forced as we are to live in a world whose material conditions make our lives different and hence our perceptions different, the only literature that genuinely engages those forces that change us is the literature of science and technology. That is to say, science fiction. For us, science fiction is the most important of the fantastic genres. But first, we need to understand the fantastic in general. And there is no better place to begin a study of the masterpieces of the imaginative mind than with the works of two scholarly brothers, Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm. These fellows set out to demonstrate not something about fairy tales, which is what they are most known for now, but rather the significance of German culture. And they did this half a century before there was a unified German state. What they wanted to do was demonstrate the antiquity and significance of German culture, that is, German language culture, although the German speakers were distributed among many different political domains. To do this, they sought to demonstrate the ancient roots of their culture. Although Jacob was a bachelor and Wilhelm married, Jacob very active and Wilhelm relatively frail, Jacob always traveling around the world and Wilhelm staying home, the brothers lived and worked together their entire lives, and only Wilhelm had children. Um, they were, in fact, before they set out to collect fairy tales, folk tales, pioneering philologists. Philology 
is the study of language development. And in particular, they developed the very first law of phonological change. Phonology is that branch of philosophy that, excuse me, of philology that concerns itself with the sounds of language. Now, we all know if we know several Romance languages that there are similarities. We know that it's trois in French for three and tre in Italian. Um, and if we know several Germanic languages, we know it's three in English and it's drei in German. What the Grimm brothers discovered was that a certain class of sound changes regularly when it goes from the ancient languages to Germanic languages, but does not change when it goes to the Romance languages. That class of sound is called a voiceless plosive. A voiceless sound is a sound that does not engage your voice box.